Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, it's good to see you. I want to welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad uh, that you're tuning in today. We're in the, the eighth week of this series called The Fight. And for the next few weeks here, we're going to revisit uh, something that we talked early on, something that we introduced early on in the series. We're going to talk about authority, all right? And authority isn't something that we talk about much in our culture, especially on a spiritual level. So today we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about the authority of Jesus. And then next week we're going to talk about the authority of God's word. Then we're going to talk about the authority of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to spend a couple weeks wrapping this very long series up. We're going to talk about how we finish the race well at the end of our lives. We're going to talk about how we uh, build reminders in our lives of God's faithfulness. I'm looking forward to the, the second part of this series that we're kind of jumping into today. Uh, when it comes to, to winning these, these battles that we're facing every day of our lives, living under the proper authority is key to understanding the battle and to experiencing victory in our lives. So today we're going to begin this, this little three-week discussion, if you will, on authority, and we're going to talk about the name of Jesus, all right? We're going to talk about the authority of the name of Jesus. We're going to talk about how we live our lives in Jesus' name. We're going to talk about how we pray in Jesus' name, because I think it's an idea and it's a phrase that we often misunderstand, all right? Have you ever done this? Have you ever prayed a prayer and you got to amen and then you finished praying and you realize, wait, I didn't say in Jesus' name. Have you ever done that? Right? Some Christians think my prayer doesn't matter unless I say in Jesus' name at the end. Some Christians think God won't hear my prayer unless I say it in Jesus' name. We make it like a wish. Right? Like if I tell everyone my wish, it's not going to come true. And if I don't say my prayer in Jesus' name, God's not going to hear it. All right? Here's the truth. The phrase, in Jesus' name, is not a magical formula, all right? It's a reminder. It's a reminder of who this prayer should honor. It's not something we add like an incantation. It's not something like that. It's not going to, to magically make my prayers come true. I think there's a lot of confusion about this. There's a lot of confusion about what it means to live and pray in Jesus' name. Some of us have, have walked through really difficult seasons of life and we asked God to do certain things in Jesus' name and those things never came to pass the way we expected them to, all right? Maybe we have struggled with what we perceive as unanswer unanswered prayer, right? We prayed in Jesus' name, but, but God didn't answer our prayer the way that we thought he should or the way that we expected him to. So I want us to talk today about what it really means to live our lives and to pray in Jesus' name, all right? Because it's a popular phrase, it's a, it's a powerful phrase, but we need to have a better understanding of what it really means in order to live it out in our lives, all right? So we're going to look at a passage of, of Scripture today that, that Jesus spoke 
to help us understand what it means to live and pray in his name. We're going to talk about living under his authority. We're going to talk about claiming his authority. And there are three big ways that the Bible says that we do this. There are three ways that we can claim and live under the authority of Jesus in our lives. And we're going to start with the most common one. How do we live under the authority of Jesus? We need to understand what it means to, number one, pray in Jesus' name. All right? John chapter 14 gives us an account of the last night of Jesus' life. All right? He spent his final night in the upper room with his disciples, and he spent this time teaching them. He shared them some, some truths about himself. He shared them some truths about heaven. He shared some truths about what God was going to do next. And there are a few sentences in this conversation that leave us with a lot of confusion. There are a few sentences in this conversation that leave us with, with questions and doubts. And let's take a look at it in John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus said this. He said, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. All right. Then he says this, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He says it again, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it, all right? So what do we do when we've prayed for certain things in Jesus' name, but God hasn't answered our prayers the way we want him to? What do we do with this verse? What do we do with this teaching? Does it mean that this passage of Scripture isn't as true as the rest of Scripture? I don't think that's what it means at all. I think these verses are just as true as any other passage. I think these verses are just as powerful as any other passage. I think these verses are just as authoritative as any other passage. So there must be something in our understanding. There must be something in our perception that might be a little bit off when it comes to how we interpret and understand these verses. So I want us to take a look at it in two chunks. In verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. All right, now I've heard a few people go different directions with these verses. So I'm just gonna do my best to give you my perspective on it, all right? I think it's important that we interpret single verses of scripture in light of the entirety of scripture. And in the same way, we interpret the entirety of scripture in light of the smaller single verses. In other words, you can't take the entire New Testament and understand the story and the direction and the timeline and say, okay, but there's this one verse over here that doesn't really seem to fit well with the rest, so I'm gonna jump to a different conclusion now. That's not how we should responsibly approach this. All right, we should use scripture to interpret scripture. If I wanna understand what Jesus means, I need to understand what's going on in the context of scripture, all right? Before Jesus was born, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit descended on Mary and conceived in her this baby who would be Jesus, all right? Then when John the Baptist was in the womb of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, 
the Bible says that, that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when Mary and Joseph took Jesus to dedicate him in the temple, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended on Anna and Simeon and they began to, to pray and to prophesy about Jesus and his life. And then when Jesus was, was baptized at the beginning of his ministry, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended on him. And when Jesus was alone in the wilderness, the Holy Spirit ministered to him. So what we see is this thing over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit is empowering and endorsing the ministry of Jesus. All right. And then if we fast forward to his very final night on earth in John chapter 14, he says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the father. All right. We just read this. And in the, in the next few chapters, if you keep reading the Gospel of John, Jesus continues to, to reinforce this idea that the Holy Spirit is coming and he's going to take over and he's going to guide you and he's going to teach you and he's going to empower you. So Jesus is basically saying, the same God who has worked through me, the same God who has empowered me to do the things that I have done is going to empower you too. He says, I'm going to the Father, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to continue on with you. He's gonna come into your life and he's going to empower you to do great works. He's gonna come into your life. He's going to equip you to do great works. In other words, Jesus is about to die, all right? And his main purpose in giving us the Holy Spirit was not for our enjoyment. It was for his mission. It wasn't just this great gift for us. It was for us to serve the body. His main purpose for giving us the Holy Spirit is for us to go to the ends of the earth and tell lost people about him. That's his primary goal. That's number one. It's not just for us to get together and have a great time and go wild with the Holy Spirit, right? It's not just for us to hear a word for him about what car we should buy or how we should spend our money. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit coming into my life is to empower me to carry out the Great Commission. All right. If you think about the life of Jesus, if you think about his ministry, he never traveled more than about 100 miles from his hometown, at least in his scriptural record of travel. All right. So all of the work that he did in his entire lifetime physically was within this one region. And he didn't even heal everyone. He didn't even touch everyone. He had a limited amount of time. He had a limited amount of space. And he said, as he left, I'm going to empower you as the church to go to the rest of the world. He said, I'm going to empower you as the church to go to the ends of the earth, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. In some day in heaven, there will be millions of people of every color, every tongue, every nation, praising God together. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us for that mission. And that is the greater work that he's talking about in John chapter 14. It has more to do with our influence and our impact on the world around us and less to do with our personal enjoyment of the Holy Spirit. I think we sometimes focus so much on my experience with the Holy Spirit that we forget the very reason why God sent him in the first place. 
It was for the sake of others. It was to empower us for the Great Commission. So Jesus says, I have to go, and I want you to continue doing these works, and even greater works than these. And he gives the Great Commission. He says, go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do that. And that's exactly what the church has done for the last 2,000 years. That's how we ended up here today, all right? But the Great Commission certainly isn't completed It's just beginning. And then if we keep reading in verse 13, Jesus says this, and this is where we get hung up a little bit. He says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, again, he says, in my name, I will do it. Kids have a really hard time this one, but I don't think they're the only ones struggling with this, all right? Imagine being new and young in your faith and reading this verse, all right? And you try really hard to muster up the faith to pray in Jesus' name, believing that he's gonna do what you're asking him to do, but then he doesn't. And then we walk away from that experience thinking, well, there must be something wrong with me. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I don't believe God well enough. Maybe I'm not hearing the right word from him. Maybe if I just believed more, God would come through for me. Maybe if I just had more faith, God would come through for me. It's dangerous for us to think, well, if my faith is big, then God will do it. But if my faith is small, then he won't. All right? We have to be very careful not to limit what we believe God can do based on the size of our faith. Now, he does challenge us to have more faith, right? He does encourage us to have more faith. Faith is an important part of the equation. We need to believe in him. We need to trust in him. The Bible even tells us that Jesus bypassed certain towns because they didn't have enough faith. So what did he do? He went to the people who had faith and he performed miracles there. So yes, faith is important, but my faith does not make God do things or not do things. Does that make sense? So then what is he getting at? When he says, ask in my name and I'll do it. I wrote a check this week, which isn't something that I do very often. In fact, I think that's the 51st check I've ever written out of that bank account, which I've had for years, right? And at the bottom of that check, I signed my name, all right? And when I sign my name, what I'm saying is I'm giving this money to you. And when you go to the bank, they're going to believe that there's money in this account because I signed my name and they're gonna take it out of my account and they're gonna put it in your account. But if I lied about this, it would be a big mess and I'd probably go to jail, all right? But most people will believe it because I've signed my name, the money is there. So there's something powerful about signing your name. It's, 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 it's authority comes with it, right? With the signature comes authority, Now, when it comes to to living and praying in Jesus' name, it requires more than us just forging his name, okay? We also have to determine whether or not our request is lined up with his will for my life. In other words, when our prayers are aligned with God's will for our lives, he moves to action on our behalf. But when the source of my prayer is my flesh, when the source of my prayer is my thinking, when the source of my prayer is my desire, when my prayers don't line up with God's will, they're not going to magically come true just because I prayed them in Jesus' name, all right? Our prayers have to be lined up 
with his will for our lives. Well, how do I know? How do I know what God wants for me? How do I know what God wants me to pray? Here's a big truth that I want you to walk away believing today. When it comes to the name of Jesus, you don't need more authority. You need to be closer to him, all right? You don't need more authority. We don't need to go around forging his name, all right? When you've placed your faith in Jesus, you already have all of the authority that you'll ever get in terms of living your life under the authority of Jesus Christ. What you need instead is to be closer to him because in closeness with Jesus comes a better understanding of his will for my life. All right. So when I find myself praying something over and over and over again, and God doesn't seem to be answering my prayer. I need to go back to Jesus and ask him, would you teach me how to more accurately understand your will in this situation? Would you help me to see your greater plan for my life? Paul prayed and prayed and prayed for this thorn to be removed from his side. He even prayed in Jesus' name for the thorn to be removed from his side. He prayed for the thorn to be removed for a very long time. And finally, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Paul and said, hey, quit praying for that because I have a different plan. I have a better plan. I have a better purpose. I've given you this thorn and it's gonna stay right where it is because I'm trying to teach you that my grace is enough for you. So instead of praying for the removal of the problem, I'm teaching you how to handle the problem better. So when it comes to praying in Jesus' name, it's not a matter of naming it and claiming it, all right? It's a matter of growing closer and closer to Jesus. It's a matter of growing more and more confident in his plan for our lives. It's a matter of being more in tuned and aligned with what he wants to do in us and through us. So our prayers need to be prayers that echo God's plan. And when I pray something that doesn't line up with his plan, when I pray something that doesn't line up with his word, when I pray something that doesn't line up with his character, if I'm praying it in Jesus' name, what I'm doing is I'm forging his name. But when I know who he is, when I understand his plan, when I believe his word, when I'm in tune with his voice, when I'm walking step by step with him, then I can more confidently and with greater faith Say, I know his voice better than I did before. I understand his will better than I did before. And I believe that I can ask this in accordance with his plan and his will and his authority. And when God answers those prayers for us, it strengthens our faith even more. All right. So when it comes to praying in Jesus' name, this is a long-term commitment. All right. Jesus wasn't saying, just shoot up a prayer in my name and I'll grant it. He's not your genie. He's God. All right. So we're talking about a life of learning how to pray in his name and in accordance with his will. Instead of praying, God, bless this, we should pray, God, do you want to bless this? <laughs> Instead of praying, God, here's my plan, here's my idea, here's what I want you to do, now do it in Jesus' name, right? Instead of praying like that, God, here's what I'm thinking. Did you give me this idea? I need you to show me if this is what you want me to do. I need you to reveal your will to me. I need to make sure this lines up with your plan for my life. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. All right. Here's the next one. How do we live under the authority of Jesus? We need to understand what it means to serve in his name. All right. 
We need to understand what it means to serve in Jesus' name. So we talked about living under the authority of Jesus and how we pray, but what we do also needs to line up with his will. We need to serve in his name. We need to dedicate our lives. We need to dedicate our time. We need to dedicate our intentions and our actions. We need to live his lives, our lives, under his authority at all times, all right? In other words, if you're living a life that is in rebellion to God's will for you, then you need to make some serious changes, all right? Because you cannot walk forward in faith when you're living your life in purposeful disobedience to his will. There's a tremendous emphasis in the teachings of Jesus on serving God and serving others, right? It's the great commandment that we talked about last week. As rich, entitled Americans, we don't really like the idea of servanthood very much, all right? We don't really like the concept of servanthood. We don't really like the idea of serving others. We're pretty self-serving. We're pretty selfish, all right? And when it comes to the ministry of the church, the kind of leadership that we talk, talk about the most is, is servant leadership, all right? But still, we think if I'm just going to spend my life serving, then I'm probably not really going to go anywhere. That doesn't sound very appealing to me. And that's our idea, but this is what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. It says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's not just what we pray. Paul says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he gives us some specifics. Verse 18, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. I want to clarify something right here about these verses. I don't think he's saying, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands and let them get away with treating you poorly. I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands and let them get away with abuse. I don't think that's what he's getting at. I think you should run from abuse, all right? And I'll help you. We'll run, all right? He's talking about having a servant's heart toward your spouse. I wanna help you. I wanna serve you. I wanna meet your needs. And then he turns the table and tells husbands to go all out in love for their wives, He tells husbands to to love their wives in the name of Jesus and to put their needs first. So I don't want you thinking for a second that Paul's saying the husband gets what he wants and the wife better go along with it because that's not what he's getting at, all right? The Bible paints a picture of marriage of two people coming together and sacrificing their wills for the good of one another. That's what biblical marriage looks like. That's how it works, And if you have a problem with that, then you certainly have a problem with the first part of this passage where Paul says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because if you want to live your your life under the authority of Christ, that means that you're going to have to serve your spouse very practically, right? He gives us more examples. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, Do not exasperate your children so that they don't become discouraged slaves. Obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. He wraps it up again, verse 23. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord 
Jesus Christ. If you want to live your life under the authority of Christ, you have to become a servant to the people that God has placed in your life. And I don't think he's talking about remaining in slavery the way we understand slavery. He's talking about us being fully committed to serving someone the very best that we can because in reality, we're not serving them, we're serving him. All right. He is the master. I heard from a pastor one time, he said, one of the best ways you can distinguish mature Christians from immature Christians, one of the best ways you can distinguish those who seek to honor Christ with their lives and those who do not is how they support what they perceive as bad leadership or bad government, right? He said, one of the best ways you can honor Christ with your life is continue to work hard for what you perceive as a bad boss, One of the best ways you can honor Christ with your life is to continue to pray for a government that you perceive as a bad government. We have the tendency to say, well, I'm not gonna support this government because I don't agree with them. Paul says you need to because you're serving the Lord Jesus. We have a tendency to say, well, I'm not gonna work very hard for this boss because I don't really like this boss. Paul says, no, you're gonna work hard because you're serving the Lord Jesus. So how are you serving him? Are you serving him well or are you being disobedient? Because whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it for Jesus, whether you like it or not. And when you get to heaven, he's gonna hold you accountable for it. In Colossians chapter three, Paul's trying to help us to understand how important every little thing that we do is because ultimately we're doing it for Jesus. Every relationship, every task, every job, every situation, we're serving him. So are you serving Jesus faithfully or are you being disobedient to him? Louis Giglio is, in my opinion, one of the best preachers and teachers of our time, one of the greatest of our day. And he tells this story famously from this passage that when he was in college, the University of of Georgia in Atlanta, he worked at the CDC office and he made copies. All right, that's what he did. It was a part-time job because he was in college and he was learning and in his off time, he worked part-time at the CDC making copies. And he was committed, I'm doing this for Jesus. And when he left to move on to do better things, they had to hire three people to replace him (laughs) because he was serving God, all right? We need to serve in Jesus' name. That leads us to the final thing. How do we live under the authority of Jesus? We need to understand what it means to fight in his name. Remember, we're talking about spiritual warfare, all right? And from the beginning, we've talked about how spiritual warfare is kind of this ominous, interesting thing. It might seem strange. It's not something we talk about very often. Remember, it's simple. It's just this tension that we're stuck in between now and heaven. And in this tension, we face temporary battles. In this tension, we face conflict. It's going on all around us. It's this temporary battle over our souls. But remember, it's not God versus evil, because God has already won. He's already victorious. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's all-powerful. But there's still this temporary battle taking place during our lives here on earth. So we're all fighting these battles, whether we realize it or not. But in order to win them, we need to fight in the name of Jesus. There's a very interesting story perhaps one of the most interesting stories in all of scripture that takes place in Acts chapter 19. And I'm gonna read just three verses, but there's a lot going on here, 
all right? So I want you to really pay attention, put yourself in this story so that we can understand what's going on. Acts chapter 19, verse 13 says this. Now, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. So seven sons of Sceva, Jewish high priests, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who are you? And what did the evil spirit do? It says the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them. And they ran out of the house naked and wounded. All right. What in the world? <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Other translations say they ran out of the house naked and afraid. And I'm convinced that that's where they got the idea for the TV show. Right? <laughs> but what happens here is extremely intriguing, all right? It says the Jewish exorcists attempted to cast out the evil spirit using the name of Jesus. They even used Paul's name. And what did the evil spirit say? The evil spirit said, I know who Jesus is and I know who Paul is, but who are you? The evil spirit says, I have heard the name of Jesus. I know who Paul is, but I have no clue who you are. You haven't caught my attention. You haven't been worth knowing. You have not been a threat to our little kingdom here. Jesus has, Paul has, but you've got no authority. What question does that leave us with? Are you a threat to Satan's forces? If you're gonna to go toe to toe with an evil spirit, they're gonna know who you are. Right? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking about building the church and he said this, this tremendous line. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was talking about how the church was going to take back authority from the forces of darkness. He was talking about the church sharing the gospel and redeeming lost people. He's talking about missions and evangelism, and he's talking about everything the church could do to threaten the kingdom of darkness. So those who are willing to step out and, and share their faith, those who are willing to pray in the name of Jesus, those who are willing to serve in the name of Jesus, those who are willing to fight in the name of Jesus, when you start living your lives in such a way that you're passionate about your relationship with God and you allow him to have his way in your life, you immediately become a threat to Satan's forces. But in Acts chapter 19, the evil spirit said to the imposter, I know Jesus. And I know Paul, but who are you? Right. So in the spiritual battles of your life, it's not about praying the right words. It's not about forging Jesus's name. It's not about praying at the right time of day. It's not about having the right songs or the right environment or the right atmosphere. It's about living and praying and serving and fighting for your life under the authority of the name of Jesus. Because when you live under the authority of Jesus, you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. James said, when you draw near to Jesus, the demons flee. 
So we need to live every moment of our lives taking steps closer and closer to Jesus. We need to submit our lives to him. We need to grow more and more like him. We need to become the biggest threats to the kingdom of darkness in Temple, Texas. How do we do that? We submit our lives to Jesus. We reclaim his authority. We pray in his name. We serve in his name. We fight in his name. We live every moment of our lives under his leadership, under his direction, under his authority. We align our plans with his plans. We say not our will, but your will be done. Not through our power, but through your power. Not through our flesh or for our flesh, but for your Spirit, there's no other name by which people can be saved than the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans that someday every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That includes Billy Graham and Adolf Hitler. For some, it will be out of a life of devotion. For others, it will be a moment of regret. But until then, here we are. We're still in this world where it's not always easy. We're still in this world where we don't have all the answers. We're still in this world where we still deal with the consequence of sin. We're still in this world where we walk through suffering. But once we place our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that we're saved, we're forgiven, we're made whole, we're made new, we're free, and we're destined for eternity with God. And Jesus comes into our lives as our savior and as our redeemer and as our friend, but he is also Lord of all. He has authority over everything. So I want to encourage you, every step you take, move yourself, position your life closer and closer and closer to Jesus and live your life under the authority of his name. And when you do that, the Bible says, Satan will flee. We need to be the greatest threats to the forces of darkness that are finding their way into our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much that you have authority over everything. God, we want to live our lives under your authority. We want to live our lives under the name of Jesus. So help us, Father, to learn how to truly pray in his name. Help us to submit our prayers and our requests to your will for our lives. Help us to serve God in the mighty name of Jesus. Empower us to make a difference in the world around us for your kingdom as we seek to serve others with the love of Jesus. Help us to fight in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to be great threats to the kingdom of darkness all around us. So we pray, God, that you would give us the strength and the boldness that we need to fight the fight in the name of Jesus. God, we want to live our lives for you and for, your, for you alone. So, Father, we pray, God, that you would help us to fully submit to your will and to your authority. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here in this place this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you're ready to place your faith and your trust in him today. Maybe you've been walking around in your own authority for far too long and you're ready to submit to the authority of Jesus. Today, I sum up the message of the gospel like this. Jesus lived the perfect life that you could not live, right? We all fall short. We're all broken. We're all imperfect. But Jesus lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve to die because the wages of sin 
is death. Sins against an eternal God bring about an eternal punishment. We were destined to pay, but Jesus stepped in and he took our place on the cross. He died the death that we deserve to die. He paid the penalty for our sin and then he rose from the grave to give us new life. And once you call on his name, you are saved. You're restored both now and one day in eternity with him. That's the message of Jesus. And if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in him, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me, church. Let's make this our prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.